Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, I'm Steph. I'm Alex. And this is Not Today. That was such a weird hello that I said there. I know. It I came out like... of my mouth and I was like, what's happening? <laughs> hello. Like you're in Book of Mormon. Yeah. Hello. God, we have to stop talking about Book of Mormon so much. It's People such keep a good... clocking it. <laughs> I know. It's such a good show, though. It's fun. Um, Come on. But hello. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm good. You got I, your coffee? I got a cup of coffee and a good story. What more could you ask for? Yeah. Hell yeah. That's what I'm saying. Um, this one is, dare I say it bonkers crazy crazy insane it's all of the above um yeah it's actually pretty similar to our bonus episode that came out a week ago i believe when this comes out bonus episode 18 was about a pilot who got sucked out of a airplane as it was flying they held onto his legs yeah don't spoil it but that is something that happened in an episode that we recorded for patreon so if you're interested in that head over there and you can find that and a bunch of other ones but this one is also having to do with someone who is up in the air in a bad situation yeah so the moral of the story is don't go up there. stay on the ground stay on the ground Keep your feet firmly planted firmly and be forever afraid of flying yeah you know what just yeah. develop an anxiety disorder and need like what is it and have ambient your, to go on there yeah. <laughs> have your therapist tell you you're a good candidate for anti-anxiety medication <laughs> but after hearing this story, I feel like you will want to keep your feet firmly planted on the ground because it's it's just one of those things where you're like, what? And, or not so much that you need to keep your feet firmly planted on the ground, more so that you're like, who in their right mind would ever put themselves up in the air outside of an aircraft? Because this story is about paragliding. So I feel like I might do it. Paragliding? Yeah, it's fun. If it's a nice day, there's no wind. Well, that's the kicker, you know I mean? isn't it? Yeah, it's got to be a nice day because bad weather conditions, you, we will soon find oh. out, can be very, very dangerous. Yeah, and I'm like, I don't even go, like, going out on the water in bad weather, also no go. I don't even right? like stepping outside in the rain. But can you stop? <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. I do. <laughs> the sky is falling. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I love the rain. Um, but yeah, no, I, I can't imagine putting myself in a little harness with a piece of nylon over piece my of cloth. Yeah, piece of cloth over my head and being like, throw me off a mountain. <laughs> like, I well, don't know. that's what the harness is for. Well, it's I know for safety. I know what it's for. I know you a know? lot of people do it and I know it's generally safe, but personally, it's just not for me, I think. I like the term generally safe. Yeah, right. It, I was just reading up on it and it's like, yeah, it's generally safe compared to motorcycling, which is famously not safe. <laughs> right? Like, isn't motorcycling like people are always like, yeah, it's awful. Like, well, you're like, going to. Generally, it's fine. 
Mm, is it because yeah. i'm pretty sure everyone ever is like don't get on a motorcycle you're gonna get yeah, into a everyone crash whoever gets on a motorcycle dies well that's, that's not what i'm saying story that's not what i'm saying at all i'm not saying you can't have a motorcycle and live your life and have fun i'm just saying that people say that motorcycling can be quite dangerous and that is a fact i'm i'm spitting facts you can't you can't I have tell no me data <laughs> but i am spitting facts i don't need any data <laughs> talk to anyone <laughs> Talk to, go into a hospital and talk to any person you see that is working there and ask them how safe motorcycles are. We're, we're, this is not a story about motorcycles. We, we, this is not the motorcycle <laughs> podcast. Let's keep going. <laughs> All right. You, you want to just get started? No, I'd like a few more tangents. Yeah. You want a couple more tangents? A little, you want a fist fight mean, first? Have me nothing. Yeah. Fist fight. <laughs> okay. All right. So paragliding is the recreational and competitive adventure sport of flying paragliders. That was very helpful. Uh, thank you. That thank was, you so much. That was from wikipedia.com. So this is like the dictionary definitions of things that end in shun. Well, where it's it, like <laughs> noun version of dictate. It's like, <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Dictate shun. Um, okay. So, well, it, it went on to explain. So Paragliders are lightweight, free-flying, foot-launched glider aircrafts with no rigid primary structure. The pilot sits in a harness or lies prone in a cocoon-like pod suspended below a fabric wing. The wing shape is maintained by suspension lines, the pressure of air entering the vents in front of the wing, and the aerodynamic forces of the air flowing over the outside. Despite not using an engine, paraglider flights can last many hours and cover many hundreds of kilometers, though flights of one to five hours and covering some tens of kilometers are more the norm. People don't go hundreds of kilometers every day. Yes, exactly. In general, paragliding is considered a safe activity, but there are some risks involved. Some of the dangers include banging into objects such as trees or mountains or other pilots. <laughs> objects such as mountains? Yes. <laughs> you know, just the object such as a mountain, um, falling out of the sky, getting lost, running into bad weather conditions, being struck by lightning, getting pulled up into a cloud. Fun. So it's these... like Moby Dick, but the whale's a cloud. What? I never read Moby Dick. <laughs> oh, you don't know? Like you got eaten by a whale? Oh, I know you got blah, eaten blah, blah. by a whale. That's but... all you need to know. Oh, so you're saying they got eaten by a cloud? Okay. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I'm so guys. Like, should we just have like a laugh track on this one, or maybe I should just stop making jokes? <laughs> yeah, maybe it's a you problem. Maybe I think it's, it's me. Maybe it's not a me problem. All right, let's just keep that narrative going. Um, but with caution and care, paragliding can be an enjoyable and safe experience for everyone involved. Ah. For the whole family. Yeah. Strap your baby on and throw it off. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. That's <laughs> fucked up. I take it back. Don't do that. There will be no baby throwing. All right. So our main character of this story is Ava Wisnerska. She was born December 23rd, 1971. She is a German citizen of Polish descent. And Ava loves paragliding so much because she says, you don't need anybody. It's just you and your backpack. I was going to say, you also don't need anybody to do anything on your own try that's not in the air backpacking the, yeah go hiking <laughs> no no she loves it and she's very good at it so before ava started paragliding she didn't know what to do with her life and after she did it she couldn't stop she said it was like a virus 
She changed everything about her life. She decided she'd live in her car and follow the competitions, and her life completely revolved around flying. Now, doesn't this story kind of make you want to find the thing? Yeah, like, right? Like, find your, like, major passion in life? Yeah, when you see people like, oh, I was lost, and then I went paragliding once, and then it was like, snap. Like, yeah, I was going forever. to do anything and everything to do that for the rest of my life. Yeah, like, it's pretty cool. Yeah. It's awesome for her. I'm glad she found her passion like that, and it's so She had a strong. van life moment and she followed did. through. She had a major van life moment and was like, you know yeah. what? For real this time, we're going to van life and follow all the competitions. In only her fourth year of competitive paragliding, Ava had already climbed to the top-ranked woman paraglider in the world. She was number one after only four years of doing it. Wow. Yeah, she started as the German champion, and then she went on to win a World Cup, followed by her second, third, fourth, fifth World Cup. And she was collecting all these titles, but the only one she hadn't gotten yet was the World Champion. So that's what she was striving for. In Switzerland in August of 2006, Ava had a big accident where she ended up breaking her pelvis. And she worked really hard to rebuild her physical strength because she didn't want to slow down her forward trajectory. And actually, only six months after breaking her pelvis in some kind of accident, she had fought her way back into the race of the world championship because she wanted to be on top that badly. In 2007, Ava was in Manila, Australia, with 150 pilots from 34 countries that would be fighting for the world title, which was the highest accolade in paragliding. In the week before the championships, Ava and the German team took part in the cross-country event called the XC Open. Ava wanted to participate in this event, that way she could get a better idea of the area, that way she could have a better chance at the World Championship. So I guess this XC Open was like a precursor to the World Championship. It was just a good way to get, you know, exactly what I said. Mm. Better acquainted with the area. So the day of the XC Open, the forecast was clear with some winds. However, there were some storm clouds brewing for the afternoon. German team leader Stefan Mast was responsible for the safety of the team, including Ava and six other German pilots. Ava wouldn't be going for the female title. She was going for the best place in the competition. So all around. Go for it all. I love it. Hell yeah. She was physically fit and mentally at top of the game, according to their team leader, Stefan. Another member of their team was Andreas Malecki, who had been training with Ava for the past three years. And he said Ava was one of the best paragliders out there male or female. And she would have to be if she wanted to win this XE Open, because this event was an endurance event. It would be determined by the person who flew the furthest by the end of the day. So you need speed and both physical and mental endurance. In a cross-country event, pilots are allowed to fly in any direction they choose. The morning of the event, all the pilots are gathered together on Mount Bora to receive a weather briefing, and by that time, the risk of severe thunderstorms to the north had increased dramatically. The director of the Manila Cross Country Championship was Godfrey Wenis. He is one of the most experienced pilots in the world and is the record holder for long-distance paragliding. He was the person who was giving that weather briefing, and he made it clear to the pilots that there was a line of bad clouds, but if they got there early, they should be able to pass through and continue on their long flight. But if they got there late, they might be stuck at a dead end, effectively. About an hour and a half after the briefing, at 1130, 
the pilots began launching from Mount Bora. 50 to 60 pilots had been in the air at that time, and most of them headed north, which was the direction of the bad weather. But it was early enough that it shouldn't be a problem yet. So is it like downwind? Yeah, I Why guess it was. Pick that? I guess it was like the best route, but it was also the direction of the bad weather. But like he said, it wasn't going to form until later in the afternoon. So the earlier you take off, the better chances you have, kind of. Do you have like 24 hours? Because you said day. Maybe they're like, you can just go. And they're like, people aren't going to stay in the air more than eight hours. I don't know. Yeah, you know, I actually don't know how long they had to do this entire thing. I just know it was like whoever flew the furthest, I guess. Because Ava and her team chose to take off after this round of 50 to 60 pilots. So it wasn't like everyone took off all at once. Yeah, that's why I'm like confused because you think of a race, everyone takes off at the same time. But I guess that's not feasible here. Right. And also it's not like a, a race where they're all trying to be the fastest right now. It's more of an endurance event. So I guess it's like you're not trying to get there necessarily first. Yeah, I don't know. The I'm other thing sure. I was going to ask is like, yeah, what is the competition? So this is distance, but there's other ones. Yeah. So this is the precursor to the world championship. Yeah. But is is the paragliding in the world championship like also a distance thing or do they do other events where it's like, oh, you got to go the fastest? I feel like there would be more than one event in the world championship because that would make yeah you the best in the world. Right. So probably it would, I have to assume it would be multiple events it's like track kind of like the olympics of paragliding mm. if anyone paraglides out there let me know what the world championship is like because i don't know so so 50 to 60 pilots had been in the air at that time and most of them like i said were headed north paragliders use rising columns of hot air known as thermals to gain altitude and i guess they're just like pockets of air that they know how to like catch and ride to like go up and down and it's like a wave yeah kind of ride the wave yeah so when cross-country flying they make distance by climbing these thermals and using the winds to glide down from one to another clouds lift and the quicker it is the faster you go on your average speed so pilots are looking for bigger clouds in order to maximize their cross-country speeds which meant to win that day, Godfrey Winnes said, the pilots definitely would have to fly toward the emerging storm clouds and get past them before they turned into a line of thunderstorms or some larger cells for the bigger clouds in order to maximize their cross-country speeds. Because these clouds that were going to turn into a storm were quite large. So they're like, these are going to be the best clouds for you. But also be careful because they're going to turn into a storm. Damn. Yeah. So is this almost like surfing but in a storm where it's like we want the waves to be big but not too big kind of and also you're in the air <laughs> yeah but you're in the air right exactly so after launching the paragliders fall into groups known as gaggles that's very fun isn't it it's like a big group of paragliders at once is, is a gaggle <laughs> yeah uh -uh. <laughs> yeah exactly so due to a southerly wind most pilots in the first gaggle chose to fly north but with the storm ahead brewing they needed to quickly navigate past the area of atmospheric instability that was ahead of them 60 minutes into the launch window the german team prepared to take off they had chosen not to take off very early because thermals would already be marked by other pilots so they would be able to fly faster following the other's route so they were like, we're just going to see what other people do 
and see how fast they go. And then we're going to go up there and do the really fast one. Mm. So that was kind of a good strategy by them. Ava made her pre-flight checks and set a GPS track log to record. At the time they took off, the potential storm didn't seem like a very big danger. They could see clouds forming in the north, but there wasn't any real thunderstorm activity happening yet, so at that point, they were, of course, still planning on going. Ava's friend, Gerald Amasader, who was flying for the Austrian paragliding team, was concerned about the possibility of this storm. To him, he was sure a storm was approaching. But he said this is where the problem with competitions comes in, because he felt pressured to still fly, even though it could be a potentially dangerous situation. Freak storms are one of the biggest risks to paragliders. It's one of the elements they can't control. Once they're in the air, all they can really do is stay in constant radio contact with their ground crew, who are monitoring the weather, and they follow the pilots cross-country to retrieve them where they land. But once they're in the air, they're on their own. Ava's takeoff went smoothly, and the first part of her flight was actually pretty easy. The first hour or two of each of these pilots' flights was very standard and very easy. They thought it was shaping up to be a very standard cross-country day. Nothing really to write home about, but boy were they wrong. The massive group of paragliders split up into two, and Eva was at the end of the lead group. The front runners of her group had already gotten through the stretch of clouds that were starting to get really big and strong above their heads. Gerald was flying alongside Eva at the back of the lead gaggle, and he knew that the condition in the sky was getting worse. The clouds ahead were not looking too good, but in a race you try to find those good thermals, so their team's strategy was to go between these clouds that way they could fly north for as long as possible. 50 meters to their right was a 32-year-old member of the national Chinese team, He Zhongpin. He had been flying since the 90s and was one of the senior pilots for his team. So it was Ava, Gerald, and He Zhongpin who were kind of like in this little trio, and they were flying through these massive storm clouds, or about to be storm clouds. A small cloud in front of Ava, Gerald, and Zhongpin stood between them and clear skies. It had been getting to the point where it was clear that the lead group they were in would be coming quite close to two of the large storm cells that were forming. These clouds were really black and big, and Gerald started to get really worried about what he was seeing ahead of them. Because these clouds were also growing really fast and getting darker and darker, so Eva knew they were playing with fire. But in front of them, past the big scary black clouds, were really nice clear skies with happy white puffy clouds. So it was like, if we could just get past this... Happy white puffy. Happy white puffy, you know, all day. They knew if they were fast enough, they would be fine. In these XE open events, the pilots get to make their own decisions once they start flying. I mean, that makes sense considering it's just them and their, their wing. So. You can't make decisions for them. Exactly. So how they predict the weather to be is on them, and it could be the difference between life and death. So no pressure. From the viewpoint of the pilots in the rear group, it was clear that there was no way they could go on, and most of them elected to land at that stage. One of those pilots was Andreas Malecki, who was on the German team with Ava. He didn't know where she was at that point, but he did know she had been about a kilometer ahead of him in the race. As dozens more pilots come to the ground, the severity of the storm started to become very apparent. The rain had started and the sky was becoming very dark and ominous. 
From the sky, Gerald and Ava could see the gigantic cumulonimbus just reaching its mature phase where it was starting to develop very quickly and rain had started to appear from one corner of it. Are you excited by cumulonimbus? That was fun. Do you want me to talk about them? Because I have a whole section about it. Oh, you do. I sure do. Do tell. So, cumulonimbus is Latin for heaped rainstorm, in case you were wondering. Fun. Yeah. It's a dense, towering, vertical cloud, typically forming from water vapor condensing in the lower troposphere that builds upward, carried by powerful, buoyant air currents. Above the lower portions of the cumulonimbus, the water vapor becomes ice crystals, such as snow or grapule which is basically like snow what? pellets it's it's like grapule yeah it's like pre-hail pre-hail yeah so the interaction of those two can lead to actual hail and lightning formation when occurring as a thunderstorm these clouds may be referred to as thunderheads cumulonimbus can form alone in clusters or along squall lines these clouds are capable of producing lightning and other dangerous severe weather such as tornadoes hazardous winds and large hailstones cumulonimbus progress from overdeveloped cumulus congestus clouds and may further develop as part of a supercell so when they all converge together they make one gigantic storm and it's really bad when that happens um yeah Ava knew she couldn't pass below the cloud, otherwise she would get sucked up into it. So she decided it would be best to fly around it. Ava and her team thought they knew about how storms go on the flatlands, so they had been underestimating these clouds. Because usually storms take a long time to form out there, but that day, the clouds were growing very fast and forming a line of cumulonimbus cells. And if those cells merged, they would create a severe thunderstorm. And unfortunately for them, the smaller cloud that Ava and the other two were trying to fly around suddenly got sucked into the larger clouds, creating a massive storm cell measuring 20 kilometers wide. Whoa, that's, a, yeah, very that's big. bad news. Very, very bad news, very large. From the ground, it was easy to tell how tall and menacing these clouds were, but from up there, and since Ava was kind of trying to still focus on racing, she didn't get how bad it really was about to get because she was so focused on just doing the paragliding. Doing the thing. Yeah, doing what she was there to do. And the other two pilots she was flying with were also very competitive. So it was just a bad combination. All three of them were still like neck and neck kind of racing each other, not really focusing on the cloud so much, but just to get ahead. To win. They weren't focused on safety. And because of that, Ava pushed her limits. She said at that time, she had a lot of adrenaline and emotions, so she was just laser-focused and wasn't thinking. For Gerald, it was a race against time. He saw two Swiss pilots about 500 meters in front of him who had been successful in their attempt to fly directly between these two storm clouds. They flew really fast between them, so he and Ava tried to do the same. But unfortunately for them, they had not been fast enough and the two clouds by that point started to converge and become one big cloud. It was as if the clouds had caught them, and when that happened, it was basically game over for Ava and the other pilots behind her. The cloud had sucked them up like a giant vacuum, and there was nothing they could do about it. Because this is what these clouds do. They literally suck you up. I mean, so it's like once they come together, it's just done. Yeah, flying through these clouds is extremely dangerous because... These clouds form a phenomenon known as cloud suck, 
It like actually is a thing. And wait, cloud suck is like a term? From what I understand. <laughs> yes. It's silly, but Oh my god. Yeah, so it's basically an extreme lift upwards due to a thermal at the base of the towering cumulonimbus clouds, and the taller the cloud, the greater the lift. And this cloud was huge. Well, let me ask you this. If they get sucked up really high, won't they also win? Not if they get struck by lightning. Well, these are occupational hazards, no? <laughs> no, because if they get sucked up into this thunderstorm cloud, they're like sucked up into the storm. Like there's hail happening and lightning and wind around them everywhere. Wow. So do they have parachutes? Their thing is a parachute, essentially. Well, what if they like fall? Yeah, that's one of the hazards. <laughs> that's... Well, why don't they have a parachute? I don't know. Because I'm thinking at this point, bail. You can't. Like you just nope out. You leave the hang. No, you can't. You leave the glide thing. You just let that go. And then you go You go down. Are you thinking about the kind of glider that's like hard structured, almost looks like a paper airplane kind of thing and you like hold on to it? Yeah. Oh no, that's not what we're, that's not at all what- Show me a picture. Okay, that's a hang glider. Oh. We're, we're paragliding right now, not hang gliding. What do that mean? Hang gliders are basically used for like speed, from what I understand, and paragliders can also be speed, but also it's more so. Oh. So it like looks like one big parachute. Do you want to explain? Oh, okay. So here we have lines attached to a harness. No, no, no. No, let me. No, 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 no. Bring it back. Oh. I need it for reference. So here we have lines attached to a potato chip like structure that is a parachute yep so essentially we have a potato chip parachute and then at the bottom is you in like a seat and you're just like legs out peace sign hanging out there yeah you're basically in like a diaper harness so you're, yeah you are already in a parachute that's what i was saying yes okay so i didn't understand this my second point would be why is there no backup to the original parachute these are questions for the maker of the paragliders. Because like, stuff. does it know. really make a difference to have like, I don't know, well, however many pounds extra so you can just bail and pull, bail and pull? Well, I'm assuming it would be difficult to pull something when you already have a, a chute like that. You know what I mean? You, your lines would get tangled. Well, yeah, but you you would detach from the original one. Do you well, see I think what I'm the saying? whole point is that it's pretty safe as long as you know how to control it and you don't fly into this weather. So it's like avoid the bad weather. It sounds like in some cases it's not possible. Well, it was possible if they bailed when they should have. They just didn't. I see. Yeah. Does it, is it not stupid though? Like, do you not think, like, why would you only have one? It's pretty crazy. Can that, you give me that? I don't know how anyone would do this for fun. But I mean, <laughs> <laughs> see, I'm still on the ground. I'm not even thinking. Yeah, it's like I, a parachute. Okay. So now that we're all on the same page as far as what a paraglider is, <laughs> potato chip, P potato chip parachute attached to a harness, and they're up in a really big cloud that is about to. Yeah, I mean, wreck honestly, them. I don't even know how how this how does survive. How do like everything is gonna get tangled? How does it not get ripped? How do you not this get is, struck by lightning? Both of them, like it's... all three of them are going up or just two? All three of them. Oh my God. Yep. 
So it was at that time when suddenly Ava had a very strong lift and she knew she was being sucked into the cloud. She couldn't see anything but darkness all around her, but she knew from the way her harness was pulling that she was going straight up and very fast. At the center of the thunderstorm, this extremely strong updraft produces hail, rain, gale force winds, and cloud to cloud lightning. Yeah. Yeah. Gale force winds are just strong winds. That's like hurricane winds, yeah, right? Really strong. Yeah. For Gerald, who was also with Ava in the cloud suck, his heart was beating out of his chest. He knew that they needed to get down and out of that situation as fast as they could. The pilots would need to perform an emergency descent maneuver known as spiraling to get out of there. A full spiral dive is when a glider points at the ground, pulling a lot of G-force. It's so intense, your face starts to feel like it's pulling back, your arms start to feel heavy, and all the time, the safety instruments that you have are beeping like crazy as the pilots are spiraling down to the ground. This is insane. Yes. Their GPS, their compass, they're all going around in circles. It's also a very difficult position to hold, but if the pilot releases it, they'll get sucked back up into the cloud even quicker. So... It's like they spiral down to get as low as they can, but if they can't hold on to it, they'll just get sucked right back up. Wow. Yep. How long do you have to hold it? A long time sometimes, depending on how high up you are. Ava had been in her spiral dive, but the power of the spiral was so strong that she almost blacked out because of it. Yeah. Do you know how many Gs? I don't. No, okay. Well, I just know that um, I've seen those videos where like Air Force pilots will do the, the like tight turns. Uh And you see their face sinking in and then they do like these weird breathing things just to try and get oxygen into their brain so that they don't pass out. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering if that's what she's doing. Yeah, I mean, she was about to black out. So she was like, I can't do this. When the pilot is in still air, a full spiral dive can lead to descent rates of around 20 meters per second. But in the cloud suck they were in, the updraft itself was doing somewhere around 30 to 40 meters per second when they got inside the cloud, which meant Ava had no way of escaping it whatsoever. She was stuck. So there was no spiral she could have done that would have gotten her out of it. Wow. Yeah, so like the only thing she could have done would have been to detach the thing, the paraglide. And free fall to the ground? With a backup. (laughs) You're still stuck on this backup situation? She would have to have a backup to get out of it. Yeah, I guess that would have been a smart situation, but I don't think they had those. Ava had been to the left of Gerald, and he had seen that she had been making her spiral for about one to two minutes, but the cloud was so strong that it was as if a hand had grabbed her and yanked her back up into it. Only seconds later, Chinese pilot He Pin was also sucked into the storm once again. Gerald, on the other hand, had been extremely lucky with his position in the storm cloud. He had been on the edge of it, so he was able to spiral and pop out of the side. So just by the skin of his teeth, he was able to get out of the storm cloud and had the opportunity to land in a nearby field. Once on the ground, he had to take shelter from the very intense thunder and lightning storm at a nearby farmhouse. Because now on the ground, it is like a raging thunderstorm. Wow. He said it was the worst he had ever been in really yes wow yeah so it's like you probably aren't gonna die but you're also now in a storm not on the ground but it's a bad storm yeah the lightning wind and rain was so strong gerald couldn't leave the little farmhouse he had ran into with a with a few other pilots he was extremely worried about ava and the pilot from the chinese team who was stuck up there with her 
he was worried they might not even survive. Gerald had been able to reach the Austrian team leader to give him his coordinates, but the reality was sinking in that they would have to wait for the storm to blow over until they could begin the search for these two pilots. Ava, who was up in the storm cloud, was terrified. She said it was like being in the middle of the ocean and suddenly being surrounded by 100 sharks. The only thing she could do was keep her glider flying, but that was no easy task at this point because it was almost pitch black up there and she had no idea where she was. She had to basically guess what was happening around her and fly by feeling. She had to feel the pressure and the brakes to understand if the glider was pitching forwards or backwards. All the time, hoping that the storm would spit her out before it took her back up into the icy heights. And she said there was lightning striking in front of her and she was like, oh God, I can't go forward. But then there was lightning striking behind her and she was like, oh God, I'm in the center of this cloud. Oh, wow. Yes. I mean, what a realization. Yeah, it was really bad situation. This is the kind of situation that paragliders get into that you almost never always, get out of. yeah, you almost always never get out of it alive. So for Herjong Pin, he had managed to fly his way to the edge of the storm cloud. It did kind of spit him out and he had started descending to the ground. However, that's when lightning struck and he was killed instantly. So that was really awful. But that's like what happens in these situations. It's like that was more common than not. Really? Yeah, if you get stuck in a in a weather event like this, it's like it's really uncommon to get out of it alive. But I hear about people surviving the lightning strike. Like why did he die instantly? I guess it was just like where it struck him or he was up in the air when it struck him. Like it was just as he was leaving the cloud. God, it was so close. Yeah. It was devastating. So German team leader Stefan Mast was still unaware of the danger Ava was in as he drove the retrieval van because he didn't know that she got sucked up into this cloud. All he knew was that she was far ahead of his position. He did know that he was driving in heavy rain and he couldn't see her. But at the same time, Ava attempted to make contact with the team to let them know where she was. She called Stefan and told him, I'm in the cloud. It's raining and hailing. I can't do any." And then there was no more response. It cut out. I mean, that's a movie scene. Yeah. I mean, this whole thing is could easily be a movie. Mm -hmm. Easily. Stefan was thinking that this very well may be the first situation where he can't bring back a pilot of his alive. While waiting for the Austrian team to pick him up, Gerald also called Stefan. He wanted to let Stefan know that Ava was in big trouble. Gerald said he was frustrated with that call because they wouldn't listen to him, which made him very angry because he had lost friends in thunderstorms in the past. But Stefan said he was in no position to help Ava. It was raining like hell, so there was nothing he could do for her. And she was in the air. There was nothing. Yeah, I mean, it's not like you can go like throw her a rope. Exactly. You can't go get her. She's yeah. stuck. Unless you fly like a chopper into the storm. You can't do that. You can't do that. Yeah. He had also received a call from German team member Andreas Menecki, who landed 10 kilometers away. And honestly, Stefan was relieved that he had gotten that radio call from someone else on his team because he felt like he had something he could do. He could go help someone else on his team, even if it wasn't Ava. But even as he drove to go pick up the other team member, he could only think about her. What a terrifying, helpless feeling, though. Yeah, I mean, no one can do anything. You just have to wonder what she's dealing with up there, and you have no idea. All you know is that you're driving through one of the worst thunder and lightning storms you've ever even seen on the ground. And you're yeah. like, my friend and teammate is 
in it, quite literally in the storm cloud. That's terrifying. Yeah, all you can do is wait. Yeah. The lowest layer of the Earth's atmosphere, the troposphere, provides just enough oxygen for humans to survive. In mountaineering, the air above 7,000 meters is known as the death zone. That's where the body uses oxygen faster than it can be replenished. No one's been above 7,000 meters and survived before in paragliding. Pilots previously had died at 6,000 meters or even 5,000 meters due to other factors like turbulence, hypothermia, and hailstones on top of the lack of oxygen. So once you get up to these heights, it's very dangerous. And Ava was feeling very weak up there. The force of the storm was really taking a toll on her. And because she wasn't able to stay in control, she was getting swept up into the death zone. Ava had reached the height of about 6,900 meters, which was just below the death zone. Her GPS recording device was recording climb rates in excess of 40 meters per second, which is incredibly fast. Being taken up to those heights that fast, she only had two minutes to acclimatize, which is responding physiologically or behaviorally to a change in conditions in the natural environment. So her body wasn't able to like acclimate to this new change in atmosphere. The atmosphere was getting thinner there was less oxygen, it was getting colder, down to minus 40 degrees Celsius and Fahrenheit, because that's where they converge. Fun. And then down to minus 45 degrees. And that's when Ava passed out. Your body can only take so much. Now she was completely out of control of her glider and was still hurtling up through the storm cloud at 100 kilometers per hour until Ava was shot up and out of the very top of the cloud. Wait, so she's passed out? Yes. How do we know this? Were they tracking her? Yeah, she because she remembers things until she doesn't, and she passed out. Does she remember getting shot out of the cloud? No, but we know for a fact that this is what happened because of her uh, GPS and like tracking devices. Whoa. Yes. So like she's in, is she in a different layer of the atmosphere at this point? I can I can keep going and tell Let's, you. Yeah, do yeah. that. So as she kept rising. Lightning and hailstones passed and struck around Ava's near-frozen body, which by that point had been almost completely encased in a thin layer of ice. Seriously? Yes. I saw a source that said the hailstones up there would have been the size of oranges, by the way. Oh my god. Yeah. Ava's track log read 9,946 meters, which is more than a kilometer higher than Mount Everest. A kilometer higher than Mount Everest. Yes, that means she was at the very edge of the stratosphere. Wait, so how does it go? Remind me, troposphere, stratosphere. That's what I'm saying, yeah. So she's almost in the third layer Yes. of the atmosphere. She's a kilometer higher than Mount Everest. I got that part. Right. But... Yeah, she's at the edge of the stratosphere, which is above the troposphere. But she's about... What's above the stratosphere? Mesosphere. She's about to pass into the mesosphere? Yep. She's almost there. Mm-hmm. So this is where, like, commercial planes live. Yes. She's at the, she's at the height of, like, where planes fly right now. Um, and the mesosphere is where, like, meteors are. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah. Holy shit. And she's an ice cube. Yes. She's a thin-layered ice cube, yes. So... Up there, the temperatures were negative 55 degrees Celsius, which is negative 67 degrees Fahrenheit. I mean, how long can you survive in that? Not long. So her frozen body was basically sent into hibernation. 
Even birds can have a hard time just cruising above 27,000 feet on a clear day, let alone during a powerful lightning storm. Yet Ava kept rising up and up until she flew past the elevation of Everest itself at 29,035 feet. So if you wanted the feet measurements. Um, somehow her glider was still flying at the very top of the storm cloud. The air isn't as turbulent anymore, so it didn't actually need any piloting inputs because the paraglider is so stable, which is good because she was frozen. And that and is unresponsive. Yes. And, and that is actually one of the reasons why the paraglider was able to just keep flying. Her body hanging underneath the paraglider acted sort of like a pendulum, giving the whole thing stability. So her being blacked out wasn't such a dangerous thing. If anything, it might have even saved her life. Yeah, this is like not believable. I like, know. She, maybe because she went up so fast, she like missed part of what would have been being pelted by orange sized hail. Yeah. And now she's literally crossing into commercial airplane altitudes. Mm -hmm. and oh, she's in it. She's in it. Yeah. And now has stabilized and the paraglider hasn't been ripped. Mm -hmm. And she's just going to slowly descend. Well, well, we'll see. Keep that thought. So the freezing temperature slowed Ava's metabolism down. So her body used its last resources on keeping her vital organs working. With how little oxygen is up there, a human would normally survive only 10 or 20 seconds. Seriously? Yes. Mountaineers can survive extreme altitudes with proper clothing, slow acclimatization, and an oxygen tank. However, Ava who was floating 10 kilometers above Earth, had only light clothing and no oxygen tank. So in theory, she should have died up there. Almost immediately. Yes, immediately. She needed to get down as quickly as possible before the lack of oxygen and temperature did inevitably take her out. But she was unconscious. One good thing was that the storm below her was finally starting to pass. It was still happening, but it was starting to pass. So... Take a win where you can get it, I guess. Yeah, I'm ready for good news. <laughs> yeah. On the ground, Stefan had located Andreas Malecki, and the mood was somber because both of them assumed that there was no way Ava could have survived getting caught in such a violent thunderstorm. Meanwhile, she is literally floating unconscious in a layer of ice in the, stra in the stratosphere. <laughs> can you believe that? They're like, yeah. oh God, where's Ava? And she's like up in the stratosphere. Yeah. I mean, if they only could know. I know. So they decided the only thing they could do was start searching the flatlands for her. They knew if she had managed to escape the storm and land, she almost definitely would need medical assistance. They tried calling Ava's cell phone, but they didn't even get a dial tone. I guess there's no service at heights a kilometer higher than Mount Everest. Imagine that. <laughs> yeah. So she had been up there unconscious at the edge of the stratosphere for nearly 45 minutes. And people die after 20 Se seconds? seconds? Yeah. No human had survived at that altitude for that long, ever. Even if she did survive, she could experience brain damage or organ failure because of how little oxygen she was getting up there. Her body had been slumped to one side as she was unconscious, so the glider actually started to make very long, lazy turns. Based on her track logs, they later could see... For 45 minutes, she was making these large, very smooth 360-degree turns because she was, like, slumped to the side. Is she going down, though? Not really. Just turning. Okay. 
She's just going in a circle. She's just going in a circle. Yep. But at negative 55 degrees Celsius, her wing had iced over and her harness became very heavy with ice from the hail. And all at once, her wing stalled and collapsed in on itself, which sent Eva into a free fall. Her wing? Her paraglider, like her... Oh, okay. Her potato chip, if you Thank will. Thank you for that. <laughs> Sorry, I'll, I'll use the technical term so you understand next time. Her potato chip crumbled. Mm-hmm. And she's falling from so that it, height. <laughs> so it got so much ice that it just stopped working. Correct. It collapsed in on itself. And now she's straight up free falling through the atmosphere. But is this kind of not what needed to happen? We'll see. So... Coming down through a very thin atmosphere, falling down with speeds faster than 100 kilometers per hour, which is faster than when you free fall at lower levels, for whatever reason. Probably because there's less air to push back. I guess so. Short of her lines fully snapping, it doesn't get worse than this. She didn't have many seconds to go before she would hit the ground at full force. Seconds? Yeah. I mean, think about it. I mean, how many seconds would it take? Not many. Yeah. But after dropping nearly 3,000 meters, something miraculous happened. At around 6,900 meters, the glider somehow reopened and started flying again all by itself. So the ice melted? No. It just worked? It just reopened. Oh, wow. The jolt of the glider reopening and catching her woke Ava up. Are you serious? How is she still, like, alive enough to be conscious? So she barely, she barely was. So increased atmosphere and more oxygen and higher temperatures, higher meaning not negative 55, at this lower level made Ava able to come back to life, essentially, which gave her one final chance to get herself away from this terrifying cloud, which she was now back in. By the way, think about the experience of passing out in the middle of the storm and then like re-emerging. Back in the storm, yeah. Well, she essentially... She passed out at 6,900 meters before, like, because she was just at the death zone, and then she got sucked up into the stratosphere, was passed out for 45 minutes to an hour, and then fell down back to exactly where she was, where she passed out. So to her, she woke up right where she was, and she had no idea how much time had passed. Really? So it was like, she thought she was just out for a couple seconds? A minute? A second? Yeah. Yeah. She had no idea. Wow. That's going to be confusing to tell her. Yeah. So that, but also her um, equipment, like, recorded everywhere she went. So her equipment later on was like, hey, queen, you were up in the stratosphere. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That was the official log, by the way. Hey, queen. She looked down at her equipment, which had been completely iced over. So she scratched the ice off of her GPS to see what altitude she was at and saw that she was still at 6,900 meters which put her just below the death zone. She was disoriented and still had almost zero visibility up there because of the thick, dark clouds around her, and her glider was covered in ice, and now that she was awake, she felt how overwhelmingly cold she was. All she could do was try and focus on flying straight at that point. Eva was at the edge of the storm cloud, but she still had the danger of being sucked back into it. And if she was, that felt like game over to me, at least. Like, if she was sucked back in, it feels like that would be the end. You can only take so much. Yeah, exactly. But even though she was delirious and freezing, she had enough experience and instinct to kind of put herself on autopilot. 
she still had the presence of mind to make good decisions while she was flying because if she had made a mistake and performed a maneuver that she might lose control in, she could have gotten herself killed. A less experienced pilot could have easily made a mistake like that. Eva knew how close to death she was. She could feel it at that point. The only people she could think about were her parents. She couldn't imagine her parents living after her death, so she was praying for her survival. That's all that went through her mind, was thinking about her survival and concentrating on what she could do in that moment. It was so cold, she knew she had to get down fast, otherwise she might not survive, which is when she made the decision to spiral once again. But she knew that this was a dangerous call because it was going to be a very long way down, and the glider was very full of water and ice, so she wasn't sure that her glider could handle it. The whole time she was concentrating on not giving up, she just needed to keep going. On the ground, after 20 minutes, the storm had passed, and Gerald, along with the other pilots who had taken shelter with him in the barn, were picked up, and their search for Ava began. They didn't know where they should look, but they knew that her wing was orange, so that's what they were looking for, out there over the fields as they drove by. Stefan had heard a rumor that the Chinese pilot had been missing as well. And very sadly, not long after Zhang Pin's body was found, four kilometers from where he was first sucked into the storm, everyone learned that he had been killed by the lightning strike. The news of Zhang Pin's death had been extremely shocking and affected the community in a huge way because, you know, this is a very tight-knit community and it's awful. Up in the sky, Ava had reached a point where she finally saw the earth below. She said it was like Christmas. It was the best feeling ever. But she had to spiral for 45 more minutes. That's how much spiraling she had to do to get out of this cloud. 45 minutes? That's what, yeah, 45 minutes of spiraling. Eva was only seven kilometers from where she was first sucked into the storm. She spotted a small farm, so she decided she could safely land near it. She was finally on the ground, but she was far from the main roads and from her support team and needed assistance. And as she lay on the ground, she didn't care about how long it took for someone to find her or for how long it took to get home. She just knew that she had made it and survived, and that was the most important thing. Yeah. But at the same time, she was so cold. She knew she needed to warm up fast because, I mean, think about what condition her body was just in. She was just in negative 67 degrees Fahrenheit. I can't believe that she had the strength to spiral for 45 minutes after that that seems like a long time that's what it said though it seems like forever i know yeah crazy i'm just trying to think how long you have for hypothermia like hours right i yeah i mean especially at something so cold where she was you said like negative 60 something negative 67 was the fahrenheit yeah one but the celsius was like negative doesn't matter 55 something like that it's past cold yeah you know yeah that's like fuck you cold yeah (laughs) that's the definition of fuck you cold yeah and yeah i just i can't believe that she could wake up and then because you just think about even being in i don't know zero degrees celsius 32 fahrenheit Mm -hmm. outside for half an hour you start to like lose feeling in your hands like how are you able to do something so strenuous for 45 minutes to get yourself on the ground yeah after that and she also wasn't wearing like she was wearing a t-shirt. Coats. Well, she wasn't wearing a t-shirt, but she wasn't wearing like a big coat. She was wearing like a, maybe like a light long sleeve. Yeah. You know, like nothing major. It, yeah, it defies reality. Yes, <laughs> it's insane. 
She managed to get to her feet to get to warmth somewhere, but she was too weak and she fell back on the ground. She attempted to use her radio since she was on the ground again and thought that maybe since it had warmed back up, it would work, but it didn't work. And suddenly she heard her cell phone ringing, which was a shock because she completely forgot that she even had it with her. Andreas Malecki had been calling. He was still in the car searching with Stefan. Even though her line had been completely dead earlier, they just kept trying and trying until finally Andreas heard it ring. And Eva actually answered the phone. And they were like, oh my God, her yeah, phone like is ringing? Like talking what? to a ghost. Yeah, ac- yeah, seriously. That was extremely exciting. But the connection cut out before they could even speak because she had no service. So <laughs> Eva decided her best bet was to just text them her coordinates and hope that it would go through. But she wasn't sure that it would. The men kept trying to call her, but the reception was terrible. When they did finally hear her voice, her first words were, I'm cold, please hurry. And thankfully on that call, they managed to get her coordinates. So they had enough reception, I guess, to just get her coordinates and that was it. And now she knew that they were coming. Her teammates still needed to pinpoint her exact location in the sprawling plains, but at least they were on their way. Eva's core body temperature at that point had dropped below that required for normal metabolism and bodily function. Her team needed to get to her fast, or she could die. Stefan realized that Gerald and the Austrian team was actually only 20 kilometers from where Eva was, so he called their van and told them her coordinates to get to her ASAP. Gerald was so happy to hear that Eva was still alive, but he also knew how dire the situation was, and he wanted to get there as fast as he possibly could. He knew she was far from out of the woods, and her survival now depended on them getting to her in time. When the Austrian team did get to Ava, she was thankfully still alive, and they were able to rush to her and wrap blankets around her and tend to her. But they were also extremely shocked to find her paraglider still intact and her harness almost completely filled with hailstones. Filled with hailstones? Her harness, yes. Wow. A few minutes after that, Stefan arrived, and everyone was extremely glad Eva had made it through such an unbelievable storm. They got her into the car and began driving her to the hospital. Yeah, so this whole time I'm wondering, like, they're going to get there faster than an ambulance. Are they all, like, medically trained? I'm sure they have some basic understanding because they're like a team of paragliders, right? They were able to wrap blankets. Yeah, I mean, what what can they really do? Oh, I'm just thinking about this situation. Like, usually you'd call an ambulance in, right? But... They're in the middle of nowhere. You're in the middle of nowhere driving on roads. Like, are you just ripping? Yes, down down the road and people people driving by like have no idea what's happening yeah i mean they're in just a van with a bunch of them packed in with eva wrapped in blankets in the back no before they get to her and after oh yeah before yeah they're just ripping through the i think it was just like there was nothing really out there but just like fields so it was fine there's not even roads there were roads but like not many yeah so As Eva sat in the back on the way to the hospital, she checked her GPS and saw that a few times she had been very close to 10,000 meters. At first, her teammates didn't believe her. They thought that sometimes instruments make mistakes, and there's no way she could have been that high. But later, when they analyzed the track in detail, they realized how high she had actually been. They all stood around the computer in amazement because no one should have been able to survive such a height. Gerald, who had actually been inside the storm cloud with Eva, 
wasn't as surprised as the others at how high she had actually gotten because he felt firsthand how strong the force of that cloud was. But what did surprise him was that Ava actually survived it. Not just that she survived the insane heights and the cold, but that she was able to land such a heavy wing with all the ice and water on it. Incredibly enough, Ava was discharged from the hospital not long after arriving because her only visible injuries were frostbite to her ears and on her leg. That's it? That's it. Someone else who couldn't believe Ava survived that altitude was her doctor, who treated her. He knew what that could have done to her body, and surprisingly enough, she was fine. She was fine? Did they have to, like, warm her up other than blankets? I guess not. He measured the oxygen in her body and... It was perfectly normal. Wow. Yeah. She's just built different. Yeah. She didn't know? have, because she could have been, she could have had brain damage. She could have had organ she failure. Should've. She should have even with how long she was up there and how little oxygen was up there. And her, her oxygen levels were fine. The doctor was like, what are you? Yeah. I can't <laughs> like, believe that. Cause I'm thinking about other stories we've told where people survive the lack of oxygen just because of how cold they are, but they you know, need to like almost go into surgery where mm -hmm. they like recycle the blood yeah. to warm it up. Sure. She didn't need any of that. No. Well, she was in like a hibernation state. That's what they said. So I don't know what that did, but it saved her life. What does that even mean? I don't know. I don't she know. was sleeping for winter. I like, I don't know. <laughs> Clearly it saved her life. It slowed down her breathing yeah. enough that she didn't need to like use any oxygen. How many hours after she checked in did she get discharged? Not many. I don't I don't have the exact amount of hours, but like it was the same day, I think. That's hilarious. Like how funny would it be? I'm just thinking about the one time I went to the hospital to get my shoulder popped back in. Mm -hmm. I was like, was I at the hospital longer than she was? <laughs> than she was for like this <laughs> insane thing? Maybe, like maybe. That would be so funny. After everything, the news of Eva's miracle flight hit the news, the news of it, hit the news, uh, the story of a paraglider being sucked up into a storm, passing out, being frozen, free-falling for a while, and then somehow still safely landing was, of course, shocking. Yeah, how excited were they about this story? Yeah, they're like, oh my god, <laughs> warm the press. Stop the press! <laughs> um, the news of Eva's survival was also, of course, accompanied by the death of Her Zhang Pin. The tight-knit paragliding community was devastated at the loss, and they actually didn't fly the next day after hearing about his loss. Ava was shocked hearing about his death because at the time that he had been struck, he was only about five to 600 meters away from her. She felt what had happened to her was a result of her mistakes, and because of that, she learned she needed to worry about herself and not about what others are doing. Six days later, Ava made her way back to the summit of Mount Bora, so many people would never fly again after going through what she went through, but not even a week later, she was back up in the sky, flying <laughs> in the exact same place with the same glider. <laughs> Isn't that insane? Six days later, same place, same glider. She's like, round two, baby, wind it up. I mean, you got to admire the conviction. Yeah. She said she wanted to be alone and have her peace, and she wanted to think about her Zhang Pin. She was dealing with some survivor's guilt and couldn't understand why she got to survive and he didn't. But she was able to come to the fact that she got lucky and maybe she has some reason she's still here and she feels very grateful for it. These days, she's a paragliding instructor and has been a member of the German national paragliding team for many years, as we know. 
Her unbelievable story is retold in the documentary film Miracle in the Storm that was made in 2010. The film was nominated as Most Outstanding Factual Program for the Logie Awards of 2011 and won the category Best Cinematography in a Documentary. And uh, yeah, so it's a good one. Yeah. And that's Ava's story. Yeah, wow. I can't believe she returned so quick. But yeah, so they stopped flying the next day for Hu Jinping. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they didn't do the, the, I guess, the world championships that day. Yeah, I know. It's just so tragic. Just unlucky, random occurrence. Yeah, it was really awful. You know, I, oh God, you just floated down. Yeah. Yeah, but it's really interesting to me that she, number one, was back so quickly, but was up in the air almost as like ther- like therapeutic Yeah, she needed to like reasons. think and clear her mind. Yeah. And that's where she wanted to do she, that. Yeah, she kind of had to like come to terms with it, that that had happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's just not sane behavior. <laughs> what? Know? To just go right back up. Oh, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. People she... do what they got to do, I guess. And she's clearly good at it. So. Oh, obviously. As long it's as she like... went on a clear weather day, there's nothing really to worry about for her. She was the best, best yeah. in the world, you know? Yeah, you're right. I, you know, I'm just thinking like after going through that, like you might take a week off like a full week <laughs> well i mean i think to her it's like that was her happy place like she molded her entire life around paragliding and for the past however many years that was all she did so to her i'm sure that was where she wanted to be that's probably where she felt safe and comfortable and like where she could clear her mind you know yeah yeah you're right so just I don't... from an outsider's perspective it seems crazy oh to me i i, I mean i couldn't imagine it but that's, that's the same as when someone who loves surfing gets attacked by a shark and then they're like, I'm back out on the, the waves, baby, because that's just who I am. Like, that's just not me. Yeah. You know, I couldn't imagine doing that because I'm scared of all those things. But yeah. clearly that's just her life and what she loves. So I love that for her. And I'm glad hey. that her passion wasn't squashed by something like as traumatic as this was and could have been, you know? Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. She didn't let it ruin paragliding for her. Yeah. And she touched the stratosphere, baby. Yeah. <laughs> That's a pretty cool story. That's, That's a, a f- Imagine that coming up as a fun fact icebreaker. Yeah, an ice literal icebreaker. Yeah, do uh, She broke what is the it? ice. Two truths and a lie. Yeah, I was going to say two truths and a lie. That's a a good uh a good thing to tell on a first date or yeah. something. <laughs> <laughs> One time I was an ice cube. Yeah. Oh, no, I was thinking, like, the other thing that would be funny is if she she had been on the ground for six days, she's like, I have had fucking enough of all you people. I need to get <laughs> back need to up there. back up in the air. <laughs> Put me back up. Um, yeah, that's her story. I hope she's doing well, you know? I hope she's out there flying. It seems like she's an instructor now, so love that for her. I couldn't find too much else about where she is now, but it seems like she's well, so love that. Yeah, she's just not on social media. Yeah. You know, which is probably means she's doing well. Yeah, exactly. You know? Anyway, what is your good thing? Yeah, my good thing is that we're going up north with our friends. Yes, that was my good thing to... last week as well. Oh, okay. But that's okay. Say well, I get to have it now. Say your good thing. Uh, yeah, it's going up north with our friends mm-hmm. to, to do things and have shenanigans. Hell yeah. What is your good thing? My good thing is also that very much, even though that was my good thing last week. Of course, Come on. Um, but to have like a bit of a different one and to 
end on a funny note, I went to Costco yesterday to prepare for this up north trip and got a bottle of tequila bigger than what? My arm. My arm? Like, yeah, like bigger than the size of my head. I will never run out of tequila in my life. I don't even really drink anymore. Like, yeah, it's so, we've so bought, big. We've bought a lifetime subscription to tequila for you. And that's Costco. great. Um, yeah, even though when we're up there, we're all kind of like taking tequila shots and being crazy kids. Well, ah, not anymore. I don't even think we're going to make a dent in this bottle. No. So. Well, no one likes tequila. Well, when we take shots, they do. But that's just like, that's for the. I sound like a frat com- boy. <laughs> well, when we take shots, shots they do. Shots is cool. Everyone likes a tequila shot, bro. <laughs> um. Anyway. I just thought that was funny because I had never seen a bottle of tequila bigger in my life. But then again, I'm, we're new to the Costco game. So yeah, that's why. True. Anyways, thank you guys so much for listening. If you would like to look at all the pictures we post of all the stories we talk about, check us out on Instagram at nottoday underscore podcast. If you'd like to check out that crazy bonus episode we just talked about, check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash nottodaypodcast. If you or anyone you know has a story of survival that you would like to share with us and possibly hear in an upcoming listeners episode, send it to knowtodaypodcast at gmail.com. We have a TikTok that is not today podcast and a Twitter that is not today podcast, but the T on the end of podcast is a three. Because that makes sense. And just keep breathing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>